0: I like stand-up because it allows me to fail repeatedly. To make any progress in life, you have to fail constantly. Maybe not constantly. That's that's probably too strong. It's probably bad. Uh, but a lot, a, a lot of the time. You know, at least 20, 40 percent of the time. I don't know. Like if you want to grow and get better at anything, failure is so necessary. It's critical. You know. Like I've never made any progress in my life by doing anything else like in any arena i've never got better at anything that i've ever learned how to do without failing at it a bunch that's the only way i know to get better um, is to fall flat on my face you know i have to bite it uh over and over to to get good at anything but what sucks <laughs> Is that lots of people will not give you that room to fail. You know, there are large numbers of people who like to hate on failure. You know, they look at failure as a bad thing, they won't let you take that risk, you know, and that negative pressure against failure, this over glorification of success, that's gonna try to push you toward a form of cowardice, right? You'll be less inclined to take on difficult challenges. That's not healthy. That's, that's not healthy. So what I love about stand-up is I get to fail. I get to fail publicly, and then I get to work off the feedback of that public failure without it being blown out of proportion. You know, the amount that I have failed has proportional consequences that match up with that failure. You know, if I bomb telling a joke, the consequence is I don't get a laugh or I lose the audience. Every once in a while you, you know, see some comic get hammered for a joke and it blows up into a big deal and a bunch of people get mad and it's like they already got the feedback you know either either it worked or it didn't you know if the joke ate it it already ate it you know that that already happened you know you don't need to emphasize how much it ate it you know there's there's this fetishization you know of kicking people when they're down you know they've already they've already been kicked <laughs> you're being a weird hateful bully by kicking them again you know just just let them fail and learn from their failure. You know, don't act like they hurt you personally. They didn't. You know, they really didn't. And you know, luckily, I'm failing consistently enough uh, as a stand-up comic that no one cares enough to make something like that my problem on a large level. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Hopefully, not anytime soon. I don't really want to deal with it. Uh, but you have to have, you know. You have to have enough success before people will get truly excited about trying to ruin you for your failures. But yeah, good art requires failed expeditions. A good life requires failed expeditions. You know, you have to take risks and fail or you aren't gonna see much of the world while you're alive. You know, you're gonna live a pretty condensed life. Just just don't let people scare you into not living a real life. I've made that mistake enough times in my life, too much. You know, I wasted a lot of years caring far too much about other people's distaste for my failures You know, own your failures. They're yours. Don't let other people take ownership for them and tell you what to do with your own failures. I finally, you know, kind of learned that it's better to try to do the things I want to do than let other people ridicule me into a position of cowardice. You know, you gotta get to that point. Um, don't wait until you're in your 30s <laughs> to start living life that way. You know, don't let other people's low expectations and appraisal of what you're capable of be what sets your bar. You know, set your own bar, you know, set it as high as you want. Knock your head into it, you know, as many times as you want. You know, don't let other people convince you that it's not worth getting concussions trying to jump over that bar, right? The concussions are worth it. The concussions are worth it, all right? Speaking of concussions, let's talk about Jordan Peterson. (laughs) What a strange transition. Doesn't make any sense, but anyway, Jordan Peterson, uh, he's a Canadian psychologist. Some people love him, some people hate him. Uh, Whatever your opinion, uh, he has become very popular over the past six years or so. You know, viral news stories, he's written some books, made a lot of YouTube videos, uh, does these massive public lectures, sells out auditoriums and theaters all over the place. Um, You know, not a lot of people can do that, sell out You know, lectures, you know, it's like, "Hmm, pay me a bunch of money to go to school again. Not a lot of people doing that. So, Jordan Peterson, uh, he talks about why he thinks his biblical lecture series got so wildly popular on YouTube. And here's why he thinks that is. Uh, I promise this is going to relate to stand up comedy and and the theme of this video. I promise it's going to circle back. So, most people can't lecture about the Bible in a way that a modern audience finds compelling. It doesn't capture the typical modern viewer's attention or imagination. You know, people don't get psyched about the Bible much these days, your average, you know, modern person. Uh, The reason Peterson thinks he was able to connect with people is that he wasn't telling people what he thought. He wasn't telling people this is how you should read these biblical stories. This is what these biblical stories mean definitively. He wasn't saying that. Instead, Peterson states that his approach to his lectures is to try to investigate something that is beyond his own comprehension. He doesn't fully understand the stories either, but he's trying to figure it out and he's sharing his thoughts along the way. So these lectures he gives, they all come from a place of humility. He doesn't know. You know, he says, here's what I think might be true here, and then he watches the audience's reaction. It's an investigation that results in revelatory surprises for everyone involved, both lecturer and audience. Peterson talks about how he is often surprised by how the audience reacts to the things he says, right? He doesn't always get what he expects. He talks about how the problem with most Christian churches or religions in general for that matter, is that they are often moralizing, you know, telling you what to do and what to think instead of leading along an investigation. You know many religious institutions pretend to have all the answers and yet they are led by perfectly fallible human beings who screw up all the time. That's fundamentally dishonest and a lot of people realize that. Leading a lecture as an investigation becomes a more participatory exercise for the audience. The audience is processing the material in their minds in much the way Peterson is and they can feel that he is also paying attention to them, right? You know, talking to people, if you're any good at it, is different from talking to a wall or a camera, right? There's, there's a give and take that happens. Thankfully, we have comment sections. Like when he lectures, you know, Peterson is doing that investigation on his feet, you know, on the fly as well. You know, he's stumbling. He doesn't get it all correct. He trips, he falls, he gets lost. Again, there's humility in his approach to the task at hand. You know what? He'll he'll pause when he needs to to collect his thoughts. He'll say, "Yeah, I'm not sure about that." Like I promise I'm getting closer to the point I want to make about stand-up comedy. If you can get beyond the annoying surface-level political stuff that comes from Jordan Peterson on places like Twitter, you know, if you read his books and watch his lectures, He has a lot of interesting things to say about art and beauty. He talks about how beauty doesn't preach or moralize. It just is, right? It's self-evident. It doesn't have to try to logically justify itself or argue for itself. People simply recognize it when they see it, right? That's characteristic of art and of beauty. In the same way, jokes don't preach. They just make you laugh. You know, it's funny because it's true or and or it surprises you and it, it does that in an elegant way. Like ultimately it doesn't offend you. It's like receiving a weird unexpected gift. Good jokes are much funnier than they are offensive, but it's not easy to get that balance right. You have to explore, you have to do that exploration. And that's my goal with standup. You know, when I'm really nailing it as a comedian, I'm investigating something that is somewhat beyond my comprehension. You know, I don't have all the answers. I'm exploring and I'm reading the reaction of the audience, right? They're exploring right along with me, assuming things are going well and they're not distracted by, you know, some TV show at a bar. <laughs> you know? So the point is uh, if a stand up comic is going to get any good at stand up comedy, they're already paying very close attention to the response from the audience. They're already approaching the art form with a high level of humility. You know, ego, having an ego, it doesn't work for stand-up. You know, ego, ego doesn't work for stand-up. You can have an ego, ironically, right? You can have a surface-level ego as a character element, as a shtick, right? But as soon as you develop a real ego, and think you're you know hot shit think you're cool all that crap you immediately cease to be funny you know part of the reason why is that you lose respect for the response from the audience you lose touch with the people you're supposed to be connecting with so to bring it back around uh, to what i was saying at the beginning There's no need as an audience member to go after a comedian and try to turn them into this image in your head of a horrible person. You don't have to like the way they are exploring their thoughts and ideas on stage, that's fine, but it's so weirdly, wildly unnecessary to yell at them for being a bad person because their joke didn't land. It's nearly impossible to make it as a stand up comedian. Like, it's the eighth wonder of the world that anyone ever accomplishes it at a high level. It's very hard. And all I'm saying is just let people succeed or fail on their own merits. You know, if they don't learn their lesson from audience feedback and stay humble, they're not going to make it anyway. You know, no one busts into a music jam session and berates the band for not cutting a perfect album then and there, right? You know, similarly, literary critics don't get to tear apart an author's first draft. Editors get to do that, right? It's productive criticism. They don't publish it on Twitter and have random people tell the author he doesn't deserve to pursue his art form anymore. You know, critics have to wait for the publication of the final product. Bombing is integral to the creative process of standup. It is a tool for refining the joke. Don't apologize for that. I, I think if you wanna do standup, you just embrace that. You don't need to say sorry for it. Um, it is the right for the audience to dislike a bad bit, but they can't then also get mad at you as an artist or as a person. <laughs> I mean, they can, and they will but you just have to ignore that cuz they don't get it you know they don't understand how the process works you know and they don't see the progress you're making from falling flat on your face in all these embarrassing ways most people don't get the behind the scenes so there might be boos and canceling along the way it's all part of the journey you know your first stand up set is gonna be trash, you know? All art is that way. The first photo you take as a photographer will be trash. The first blog post you write will be trash. The first YouTube video or TikTok you make will be trash. Just no matter what, you know, angry people running on minimal sleep and poor nutrition say to you on Twitter, keep making trash in public. I think that's how good art gets made is by publicly making trash. (laughs) That's the recipe for progress, you know? Life, death, rebirth, rinse and repeat. And you, you won't be appreciated for any of that until you get it right, and that's good, that's fine. Like, you know, no one will care until you're succeeding at the thing, you know, people never believed you would succeed at. But the cool thing is, you know, you can learn to appreciate the little successes that no one else sees. You know, you have a front row seat to all of the progress no one else notices. When you write your first joke that works great. When you figure out how to do that act out the right way after trying it six different ways. When you finally figure out how to talk about more personal stuff on stage. You know, when you learn to control your pacing. When you get better at reading the audience's reaction and noticing subtle body language signals you never used to pick up on. No one else sees any of that but you. And that's kind of cool in its own way. You know, you get to know your chosen art form better than anyone else. You get to see how the magic works. That's its own form of success, you know. And the only way to get that, you know, up close and personal seat to the show is to fall flat on your face over and over. If you still don't get it, go watch the Tony Hawk documentary, Until the Wheels Fall Off. Uh, It was directed by a really talented creative, Sam Jones. He has a very cool series of interviews with artists on YouTube. It's called Off Camera with Sam Jones. You should go check that out. It's also a podcast. Uh, But Tony, Tony Hawk invented an insane number of skateboarding tricks and he was not fully appreciated for what he was doing right away. You know, he was being creative, he was stumbling. He looked like a fool to a lot of people for a long time until he didn't and we all had a great time playing his video games. Also, he figured out how to have some fun and make some friends along the way. So don't forget, don't forget that part.